Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. Amen. Well, praise God. Um, we Today's message is called God's Promises Are Yes and Amen, which is why we, we, we sang that song this morning. And um, before I do that, I want to do I want to do a reading. In fact, I'm going to ask I'm going to ask my wife to do the reading. So praise God, she doesn't know she doesn't know this. Um, so read. Uh, this is from two Peter chapter one, from verse one to eleven. So if you've got your Bibles here, just go to that place. Okay, okay. All righty. Two Peter one verse one to eleven. This letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. This faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share this divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises Supplement your faith with generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour. Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Hallelujah. So he's given us everything we need for godly living, for godly for a godly life. Amen. And the promises are for a reason. The promises are to enable us. Promises promises are to help us. Amen. And we're in Advent right now, aren't we? Where, you know, the main themes are peace, joy, love, and hope. And these attributes were all part of the promise that was fulfilled by Jesus over 2,000 years ago. When, when he came, that is what he brought with him. Peace, joy, love, and hope. Hopelessness is a terrible condition. Hopelessness, I believe it's a spiritual condition. We are spiritually crippled without hope. 
We need hope. And that's why one of the central themes of, of Christianity is hope. We need it. And when we consider the hopeless, we, we really need to remember that we could number Christians amongst them too. That seems like a dichotomy. It seems like, well, that just doesn't work. But I believe that that's a reality across the spectrum of our faith. You know, a few years ago, I presented a short series called Miserably Saved. I don't know if you remember it. Miserably Saved, which was to encourage us towards the joy of the Lord. It's possible to be saved and to be miserable. <laughs> so it's possible to be a Christian and be hopeless too. I've, I mean, I've been hopeless. I've felt hopeless. So we need hope. And as I said, when we were praying, there's, there was th there's 300 prophecies, something around that, concerning Jesus' life and ministry on the earth. And many of them have been fulfilled already. And they're still being fulfilled, amen? And so, you know, with all of that going on, and with also, some people say, 7,519 promises. Some people say, well, just say it, there's over 3,000. I don't have a number. How many promises are in God's word? There's a lot. I'm stand correct. But, it, you know, when I read God's word and every time I see the words of Jesus or the Father speaking and he says, I will, I think he means that. And, and, and even though it doesn't say the word promise, I, it's his word. So he says, I will do this. I will do that. Yeah. And so it's going to be too much ground to cover this morning going over all the promises. <laughs> yes. Thank God. He's not going there. We can do that every day. I can do one at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's three times by 365. So in a year I can get, so three, yeah, you know, in a, over a course of years, reading three promises a day, you'll get through them all, all right? But what a feast of things that you can read and meditate on to find the promises of God in his word and go and meditate on those things. And there's so much in the Lord that we don't receive. We don't claim it. We don't let, take hold of it. We doubt it. We don't believe it's really for us. And a lot of that comes from different upbringings, religious backgrounds, mindsets, self-worth, all of that, self, your, your own vision of picture of yourself. Amen? But things change. Romans 4.18 says that even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. God promises something to Abraham defies all logic. It's like, here's what's going to happen to you. And it's like, I cannot get my head around it, Lord. What do you mean? So God uses his very own creation to ignite hope in Abraham. So what does God do? He says, I need you to come out of your tent for a minute. I want you to look up into the sky. And I want you to look at the, scar the, the stars in the sky. Amen. So he's using his own creation as a canvas to say, Look at this. Look what I've done. Look what I'm capable of doing. And you 
you may question whether or not I can make you a dad. And look at all of this. Amen. Whatever limitations exist in your natural oikos, your realm, look at the stars. Look at what I've done. Look at Aaron on the way to church this morning. Look at Goat Fell with the snow on the top and the blue sky. Oh, come on. It's amazing. Amen. God shows him the stars to reinforce and illustrate the promise. How could that not inspire Abraham to hope against hope? Amen. We get an added bonus. We have scripture. And we have God's creation and the canvas of this world. And all of, we have, you know, Abraham didn't have that. The, the full gospel, all the way through the New Testament, full of scripture and promises. Amen. And this morning, I'd like to talk about God's promises and tell you that they're sure. But before I do that, I want to tackle something else. All right. And you endure this for a few minutes. I say endure it. You know, sometimes we all as Christians have to confront the reality of how things are or how they're perceived. Because when you witness to people, when you reach out to people, they're going to have a perception of what you are as a Christian, who you are as a Christian. And for us to, for us to be able to successfully win the lost for Christ... We have to understand, um, in some ways, the brokenness of religion so that we can get through to people. And so that when they bring up lots of arguments about, well, this is how I see it, we, we have a strategy in the Holy Spirit to help us to guide and guide them to Christ. And a large section of the church, evangelical, Pentecostal, charismatics, and others, because they all seem to get bear the brunt of it, you know, in the last few decades, maybe even longer, they've been tarred with a brush that their priorities have been to seek the gifts and not the giver of the gifts, to seek the blessing without true devotion and all that true devotion means to the blesser. And we've all heard of phrases like, bless me clubs, name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, the prosperity gospel, all of these things. Amen. And I stand here today recognizing that as people, you know, doing church, if we ever try and do church without the help of the Holy Spirit, we're on a hiding to nothing and recognizing what our limitations are, but there, too, there have been grounds for those criticisms and accusations. And actually, these same issues have been part of the culture of church for much longer than just the last few decades. Amen? As long as people coexist with our carnal nature, our fleshly nature, the possibility of pride and greed and rebellion is never really too far away. And I think we have to remember that God, God's promises have purpose. And his, his promises help us to, uh, uh, to uh, enable us to live a successful Christian life. And his promises tend towards us accomplishing the missions that he gives to us. Amen. 
The promises don't mean that there's a sudden absence of all negative circumstances. There's still problems and challenges. There still was in the promised land of Canaan. So we still have, you know, the, the, the church has issues. Amen? But God has given us promises. And if we don't, if we don't take those and if we don't understand what they're for, then people can say, well, you're just doing it for that reason. For, for you know, all, all you can get out of it, but at very little expense to yourself. Amen? And what we'll discover is we can experience God's presence and his power in spite of everyday difficulties. Amen? So it's not so much seeing the change that's external to you, but there's a manifestation of something inside you that says, I'm living the abundant life. And that abundant life is more than just physical or material well-being. It's health for your soul and your spirit. And God's promises promise us abundance, abundant life. But it's, been, it's, it's become a dirty word. Don't you realize that God wants you to live an abundant life? And that doesn't mean rolling in money. But it's a byproduct of a God that loves you and wants to bless you. He wants to see you being able to meet your needs and the needs of others. I mean, you know what? It's like um, you don't go to a divorcee for marriage counseling. Do you know what? You might go and sh share, but do you know what I'm saying? Um, uh, if we're supposed to represent Jehovah Jireh and the picture we give to people is that we're broke to the detriment of our family's well-being and our community well-being, I'll never, it's like this, some of you have heard this, the, the, the fellow that came to our house to try and win my dad to the Lord sat on the couch opposite and said, Bernie, you can be just like me. And he had his legs crossed and he had no, no sole in his shoe. And he had holes in his jumper. And my dad says, the last thing I want to be is like you. And he took him and he threw him out the house. So what do we, re what do we represent? Amen. And so the things that choke our spiritual health, we don't need to preach about them this morning really. Because we know the main thing is pride. St pride. Pride stops us from looking up and gets us looking down on, on others, on situations. So I'm not railing on the church or any denomination or any minister. All I'm saying is that when spiritual pride or anything like that gets in, it, we end up with a misplaced sense of what God is really all about, worth and value. We become self-sufficient. In other words, I've got this. We become self-important. I'm so valuable, I'm indispensable. You cannot do without me. And there's self-exaltation. I'm better than you. I'm better than this. I'm better than that. Amen. 
And God's promises bless us with gifts. And sometimes we think we are gifts to God. It's like if you ever, you know what, it's, you know, you, it's like, who do you think you are? You think you're God's gift to women or something, you know what I mean? You know, you've heard that phrase before. Who do you think you are God's gift? No, God is the giver of gifts. God is the giver of gifts. And Romans 8, 13 says, if you live after the flesh, you, you will die. But if you through the spirit mortify the deeds of the body, in other words, put them to death, you will live. So the, the Christian walk, our walk is one which we need the Holy Spirit to counteract the impulses that we would otherwise readily have naturally. Amen? One of those impulses is to bring glory to ourselves. And when we bring glory to ourselves, we rob God and others who we are commanded to honor from the blessing of being honored. We rob him and we rob others of the blessing of being honored. And there's a great example of that. You'll know this one, Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. That's one of the promises, by the way. The opposite of that is also true. Don't honor your father and mother and your days will be cut short. It's a promise. And to honor someone means to prize and highly esteem them, to give them special recognition and respect. And the word honor there in that context is the Hebrew word kabod, which means weighty and heavy. It's like when, we, when, we, when his presence comes down, we think about the kabod presence, which is like a heavy blanket settling over your shoulders. Amen. Now, we might want to, and maybe we have, and it could be true, that we want to live with and enjoy the benefits of salvation, a.k.a. the blessings. But we want that to come by way of least expense to ourselves sometimes. And that's Jesus' words, take up your cross and follow me. Sometimes we think it's a suggestion. Take up your cross. And we think that if we take that and we say, you know, in the fullness of the gospel, I'm presenting the fullness of the gospel. I can't say that to anyone that they're going to have to take up their cross. That's not very appealing. Why would they want to give their lives to Jesus? Why would they want to do that? It's not really a great evangelistic tool, is it? Take up your cross daily. It's very unappealing. I think I'll think of something else. My brother, my sister, give your life to Christ Jesus today. He will look after you. He will bless you beyond your wildest dreams. And in part, you're tr it's true. But blessing God's promises are conditional, and some are unconditional. People have to know the whole, the whole gospel, the truth. Amen? And in many cases, the full gospel hasn't been taught. People don't fully understand that some of God's words to us or his promises are just that. They're conditional. 
Read further. Read in context. Don't just take one scripture. Read around it. Understand what the chapter is saying. Amen? And there's seasons where God's favor and blessing may be upon you, maybe upon someone, but the heart can turn, can't it? Because what does the word say? The heart above all, above all else is, is it deceitful? Yeah, so the heart, the heart can turn. And when the heart turns, the effects of God, God's goodness can linger for a while, but before long, a drought of blessing begins to appear. Amen. And I've experienced this personally. And if I ask for a show of hands to see if any of you have experienced, and I'm not doing that, I might see some hands here this morning. I've broken covenant with the Lord. God has stayed faithful to me and I've been unfaithful to him. I've relied so much on his grace. Totally undeserved, unmerited living for myself. And God said, yeah, but I'm looking at 15, 20 years. I know where you're going to be. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you right now. I'm not going to stop. You're going to go through some, you didn't have to go through this trouble, but you're going to go through it. Psalm 145 verse 13 says, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and you rule throughout all generations. The Lord always keeps his promises. He is gracious in all he does. Hop to verse 21. I will praise the Lord and may everyone on earth bless his holy name forever and ever. Amen. He always keeps his promises. And we say and we sing that, don't we? Lord, we bless your holy name. We bless your name. We bless you. And that word bless there is the Hebrew word barak, which means to get on your knees and honor him. Get on your knees and honor him and adore him. And a lack of honor for the Lord means that we disqualify ourselves and negate his promises of blessing to us. Amen? A lack of honor. We disqualify ourselves. His blessing and his goodness lingers for a while. His grace covers. His mercy covers for a while. And even when the Israelites walked into the promised land, they didn't walk into, they encountered challenges as soon as they got over the Jordan River, to be fair. So there, is, there, there are still challenges. There are still challenges. Amen? But if we stay true to him and we honor him, then his promises are yes and amen. Yes. They're still yes and amen to us. And this blessing means, or his blessing means, to be prospered. To have prosperity invoked upon us by the Lord. And to understand the word blessing more succinctly, sometimes it's good to know the, the antithesis of the word blessing, which is cursing. So his blessings make available the promises and goodwill that he has to those who love him. Amen? But the cursing side of it, well, it is what it is. 
And Jesus came to break the curse of sin and death over our lives. Amen. When we bless others, we think about it. Because we say this all the time. Oh, I just wanted to do that to bless you. There you go. Just a wee blessing. Just a wee blessing. And really what we're doing is, what you're doing is you're invoking a benefit to somebody else. If there's no benefit to that person, there's no blessing. So we've got to think carefully about blessing. What does blessing actually mean? Amen. Sometimes I've had folk try to bless me and I'm like, thank you, don't bless me again. (laughs) Thanks for the blessing, but no thanks. You know, and so we have to get all of this worked out in in ourselves. But God's blessings are yes and amen. And he knows that whenever he, whenever he pronounces a blessing, it's a benefit to you as a believer. Amen. What are his promises to us? The promise of great hope, the promise of eternity, the promise of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so I want to just go over, uh, we'll be closing soon, but I want to go over an unconditional covenant. There's been covenants throughout the time. The first covenant God had was with Adam and Eve, the, the, Ed, the Edenic, the Eden covenant. Then, of course, we had the, the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant with Moses. And then we came to the Davidic covenant that God had with King David. And that was an unconditional covenant. So no matter what happened... God was saying, from this day forward, your descendants, the nation of Israel, will be blessed. And this is what I'm going to do. God gave an unconditional covenant that he would not go back on. And he said to David, I'm going to make your name great in this land. And I'm going to provide a place to put my people, a place that they can call their own, so that they're not going to be disturbed again. I'm going to give you a secure homeland. I'm going to give you rest from all of your enemies and you will not be oppressed anymore. In other words, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to establish a house for you. I'm going to raise up a descendant after you and establish his kingdom. And he was referring to Solomon. Jesus, yes, Jesus is of the line of David, but it was Solomon first. Amen. And Solomon built the temple, as you know. He will build a house for my name, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. And this, here's, this is an unconditional blessing. Listen to this one. When he does wrong, I will discipline him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. So it's an unconditional blessing that also guarantees that wrongdoing was going to be punished, not at the hands of God per se, but at the hands of people. What happened to David not long after? His son Absalom turned on him. Amen. Things came, I mean, things did still come against, but it was an unconditional blessing. My loving devotion will never be removed from him as it was removed from Saul. And your house and kingdom will endure forever before me, and your throne will be established forever. Isn't that amazing? But David wouldn't partake of all of that promise. Even though he was a man after God's own heart, he wasn't going to be the one 
nor was it the time, and it wouldn't be according to the vision that David had, because David said, I'm going to do this, and God said, no, you're not going to build this. Your son is going to build it. So God's promises, God's blessing, in this case, had, had a season and a time and a place. And it wasn't something that we dream, we dream up. It's a promise that God sees in, in, for us. And he gives us that blessing. He sees it. Amen. Because if I wanted Lord bless me, I could make up a, lo- a wonderful life. Lord, bless me, this is what I see, this is what I see, this is the church I see, this is the home I see. Lord, God's, I've got a completely different blessing in mind for you. This is so if walk in my ways, follow my paths here. Amen. So it would be in God's time with God's chosen vessel and according to God's plan, this unconditional covenant. Amen. Jeremiah 33 says that the day will come, says the Lord, when I will do for Israel and Judah all the good things I've promised them. The day is coming when I'm going to do all of the good things that I promised you. Amen. In Jeremiah 33, 23, the Lord gave another message. He says, have you noticed what people are saying? The Lord chose Judah and Israel and then abandoned them. And they are now sneering and saying that Israel is not worthy to be counted as a nation. But this is what the Lord says. I would no more reject my people than I would change my laws that govern night and day, earth and sky. I will never abandon the descendants of Jacob or David, my servant, or change the plan that David's descendants will rule. Amen. That is, can you let the impact of that soak in? Do you know what he's saying here? Just as sure as day follows night, as night follows day, my promises will never fail. What I have said I will do for you, I will do for you as sure as the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. As sure as, sure as that, I will, everything that I have said will come to pass. That's the message I have for you this morning. If you are waiting, God's promises will not fail. They are for you, and you can find them, and you can respond to God's promises. Very often, we don't respond to them. Respond to his promises. Pray using his promises. Father, I thank you that you have said that I will be above only and not beneath, the head and not the tail. Father, I'm responding to you, believing that that will be the case in my life. Amen? God's promises continue. They have not ceased. He's not withdrawn them. He has not reneged on them. His promises are still as full as they were when they were written here. They're magnificent. They're beneficent. In other words, they bestow blessing on you. And they're as complete and as valuable as they ever were. Can I give you a few to meditate on? Let your fingers do the typing on your pads or phones or write these down. A few promises, not many. Isaiah 40, 29. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Isaiah 40, 31. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They'll run. They won't grow weary. 
They'll walk and they won't faint. Isaiah 43, 2, the, one of the best ones. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, nor will the flames set you ablaze. Joshua 21:45. not one of all the Lord's good, good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. Amen. Isaiah 54:10. though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. 2 Timothy 1:7. for the spirit of God does, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Two more. Isaiah 41.10. Do not fear because I am with you. Do not be dismayed because I'm your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And finally, Hebrews 10.23, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. So if anyone here is still, I'm holding out, Lord, I'm trusting you, I know your promises are good, and that they're, they're going to come, they're going to come through at the right time, amen? God's timing is perfect timing, Amen? When he is, he is, he is just, just at the right time, at the time of your, sometimes it becomes quite acute, the time of your greatest need, he is there. He will never let us down. We might lose the head because it's like, it's too late, Lord, it's too late. He says, no, I made a promise. And I won't fail. Do you hold on? Are you holding on to my promise? Amen. I will not fail you. Amen. I want to say that um, it's, a, it's another lesson, another sermon all in its own. But if you love mathematics, I've got some interesting information to say. The, the, the probability, the statistical probability, if we even just look at Christ's life, of all of the prophecies being fulfilled is unlike any other probability. For, for Jesus even to fulfill eight of the things that were, have been foretold was already one to the power of 10 to the power of 280 or something like that. I mean, it's just incredible that, that, the, that God's, not only are God's promises yes and amen, but his, the prophecies are being fulfilled one by one. And so we can be so sure of his word. Amen. Bless God. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.